Thank you to Exploding Kins for helping make this episode possible. Hello, hello everybody, and welcome to Dice and Card, the ultimate board and card game podcast for all your love of game needs. On today's installment, we will be talking about a very, very strange card game, quite honestly. This is the third episode, and I'm thrilled to be back. In the previous episode, we learned about a game of cat and mouth, which is a fun and wacky twist on a sort of table tennis pinball, however you want to describe it. This game is back to a card game style, however with some quite interesting characteristics. But we'll get into that in a little bit. As usual, we will start off with our housekeeping stuff and then get into the game. Most importantly, who is this man speaking to you? Hello, I'm Gavin, and I will be your host and resident board and card game junkie. I'm on a quest to make the ultimate board and card game collection, which is what has brought me to doing this podcast. You may have also heard of me through the other things I do. I run two other podcasts that you should be able to find on whatever platform you're currently listening to this one on. One of which is called the Skywalk Podcast, where I use my astrophysics background to take my audience on a journey through the universe and talk about deep space objects, and more specifically, I'm going through each one of the Messier objects, while also taking the time to do some astrology episodes on the constellations. I have an episode that, like a little peek behind the curtain here, is that I'm recording this one and the other one in one sitting. So, I don't know which one is coming out first, whichever kind of one I choose and decide on. So, if not before this one comes out, then after this one comes out, like within a day, uh, there will be another episode there, so definitely go check it out. The other podcast I run is the Hakoko Chats podcast, where I run script-free with a guest, and we just kind of chit-chat about whatever we want. It's bonkers, it's calming, and has an endless supply of stories. Some very strange stories as well. I also run my own mostly gaming YouTube channel called Zombified, that's Z-O-M-B-E-F-I-E-D, for those that need the spelling, where I would be posting the accompanying video playthrough, hopefully, to these games once I get it set up. Also, I have accompanying social media accounts to everything that I do, minus the Hot Cocoa Chats, so definitely go check that out. I'm still, I still need to set up something for the HCC, uh, but I, I don't know what and where I'm going to do that yet. All right, that's enough about me. If you want to learn more about the things I do, as always, go check out the other stuff I do where I get a bit more personal. Skywalk Pod will be more personal in the astronomy field. And then uh, Hot Cocoa Chats is just going to be kind of life stories. And YouTube is going to be a mix of everything, plus also a big focus on my gaming side. So what exactly is this podcast going to look like? In Dicing Card, I will take each episode to describe and walk you through a game that has been chosen by me. As of right now, it will either be some sort of card and board game. I will talk about the description of the game, the company behind it, how it is played out, and finally my thoughts on the game. Since I will have played through at least one complete game of the game prior to recording the episode. Along with the episodes, make sure to follow along on the Twitter at Dice and Cards Pod, where I will be posting images with the episodes, as well as other updates and kind of whatnot about the about just generally this podcast. If you happen to be listening to this on YouTube, then that graphic that I mentioned that will be on Twitter is on the screen right now. Alright, I think that should give us a nice overview of how things are going to be played out. Without further ado, let's talk about Bears vs. Babies. So who are Exploding Kittens? 
If you have not listened to the previous episode, I would recommend you do that. However, this game is also made by Exploding Kittens, just like the last one, so I would try not to repeat too much information, but I'll still also give you guys the information you need to get by in case you haven't listened to the last episode. But you definitely should go check that one out. So, Exploding Kittens was founded in 2015 by a one Elon Lee, Matthew Inman, and Shane Small. E- Elon Lee has a pretty decent resume. He was a character designer for Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace. He then bounced between Microsoft and starting his own companies for the purpose of mostly creating ARGs. Those, remember, are alternate reality games, sort of in the same kind of realm as choose-your-own-adventure books. Basically, like the when you play the game, all the all of your actions change how the story ends. So finally, in 2015, Elon Lee joined up with Matthew Inman from The Oatmeal and Shane Small to create a card game called Exploding Kittens. Matthew Inman is a creator of The Oatmeal. The Oatmeal is a website, comic, a blog, books, quizzes, it's kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, this is why I say he is kind of most likely the phys- physical visuals person of the group, because looking at some of the comics and drawings from the oatmeal, it looks like basically all the graphics from the Exploding Kittens company is his style. So I think that he's kind of the visuals person. The oatmeal was created by Inman in 2009. Since then, it has had numerous achievements. In 2010, Inman said that they had over 4 million unique visitors a month. In 2012, it is said that they had around $500,000 in revenue from this website. And in 2014, the website won the Eisner Award for the best digital slash webcomic. So he's done all right for himself with this web series. Actually, I think just recently in like 2020, uh, he said that he was stepping down from being like a the main main person on the oatmeal to go and do some other passion so be very interesting to see what he what comes out of that because he's a very skilled artist shane small is an executive creative director futurist and filmmaker i mentioned before that he has also done a million things i'll go over a couple other things that i didn't list last time He worked with Facebook as a futurist and in AR development, looking at what products might be kind of the hit thing in the future. He worked with Sony as the creator of the EXP Interactive series. He worked with Coca-Cola as executive creative director for the Heartfelt Mother's Day tribute. And he worked with T-Mobile as a creative director for a new edgy kind of campaign style that they had. All right, I tried to give the last two guys a bit more justice after the last episode, so hopefully that gives everyone a good representation of how all three of these guys are incredibly smart and incredibly forward-thinking men. As a little review, Exploding Kittens was found in 2015 as a Kickstarter campaign with a goal of $10,000. After just 30 days and 219,000 backers, they actually raised $8.7 million dollars And even today, they're the number one most backed Kickstarter project ever, and they have sold over 11 million games. With their mission statement to, quote, inspire people to connect, laugh, and play fun games in the physical world, end quote, they definitely fulfill on those promises. They're an instant hit and continue to pull through with great games. 
Currently, they have over a dozen games and expansions. Okay, so last time I listed a couple of the games that they have and had you guys guess which one you thought was going to be this episode. So how many of you guys were right in guessing and how many of you guys were wrong? Feel free to leave a comment in the YouTube or tweet at me or some sort of way to reach out. Let me know if you guys were right or wrong. It would be very curious to see if you guys guessed right because I gave a few different games. But here we go. It's time to get into the game. Bears vs. Babies is a 2-5 player monster building card game where you have to defeat an army of babies. I totally understand how jarring that title kind of sounds at first, and I promised, at least in my game uh, playthrough, there were no real-life babies that were harmed in the playing of the game. Exploding Kins describes the game as follows, quote, Bears vs. Babies is a card game in which you build incredible bears and other monsters to eat awful babies. Stitch together a handsome salmon armed with knives and burritos or a Pomeranian of light and wonder in a business attire who can run at the speed of light. Give your creation limbs, weapons, and special hats to help prepare them for the inevitable infant onslaught. End quote. Again, I don't really know if that kind of helps this whole image but I, I, I promise that it's, it's not as um, scary and inhumane as it sounds. Unfortunately, this website, unlike the last game, does not have people in morph suits or weird quotes from different generations. It is by no means a boring web page. It is still exploding kittens at the end of the day, but just nothing overly jarring. There is a very intense banner cartoon on a bear versing some babies to describe it the best i can there is kind of what looks like a grizzly bear i don't know my bears very well uh, that has a rainbow party hat on growling kind of screaming aggressively with both arms up in the air kind of like you know 45 degrees his right hand is a chainsaw and his left hand is actually three machine guns that are shooting so there are five babies that are attacking him one is kind of behind him and biting up on his right shoulder and it has three eyes one is biting his lower left torso again kind of like coming from behind uh, that looks decently normal all kind of all things considered one is flying in from his his left and has pterodactyl wings one is flying in on his right and has axes in both hands and one is kind of coming like up from the right and has swirling eyes and octopus arms. So it's definitely unique. It's still exploding kittens, guys. By, by no means is it tame. But <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. Let's get into the game itself. So for setting up, let's just say we're playing with roughly four people. That's a nice even number. So as usual, get let's get everything out. The game comes in a furry box. Yes, it's furry like a bear uh, slide off the plastic harness that's around it and then open up the box and remove all the contents inside you will see a playing mat unfold it and place it in the center of your play area so that everyone can reach it and interact they recommend doing a practice round first since it is always easier to learn something by playing it so we're actually going to stick to that because i i agree with with them so open the deck labeled packet one and then leave the packet two out of play. The, these packets are of playing cards, um, but 
the pack of two we're not going to use right now. Shuffle these cards very well, deal five cards face down to each player. Each player can look at their hand of five cards. If you have any baby cards in your hand, place it face down in the center pile of the same color. So for example, a baby with green color, kind of like around the, the number and just like overall theme of the card is green, um, it goes in the center green pile face down. There's three different piles, red, green, and blue. Then draw a new card to replace that baby card that you put in the middle so that you still have five cards in your hand. And then basically everybody keep doing that uh, in, until you only have five cards in your hand that are not babies. So you should get like a little stack of baby cards in the center over the three different elements. Then roughly separate the remaining deck cards into three draw piles. Don't worry about counting, just literally split them three ways roughly. Uh, they don't really matter uh, how exact they are. Place them face down in the three designated draw piles on the player mat. Pick somebody to go first. They gave us some sample criteria such as furriest, most recent tantrum, or most body parts. I don't know how I feel about these criteria, especially that last one is kind of disturbing. But if you happen to know who has the most body parts, go for it. There is one more part of the setup, but we will get into that after our practice round. So that's all we need for the practice round. So we're going to talk about how we do our turn. Still, we're going to focus on this practice round. So I'd say that was a pretty average kind of setup, all things considered. But congrats, you're ready to play. So there are two things for now that you can do on your turn. The first is to take actions. If you choose to do this, then you have two actions. On either one of the actions, you can either draw a card or play a card. So you can uh, play, play, draw, play, play, draw, or draw, draw, if that makes sense. Drawing is just how it sounds. Take one card from any of the three draw piles. Some things to note, if a draw pile is depleted, just leave it and use the other one or ones, depending on how many are left. And if you draw a baby card, then immediately play it in the correct color place, just like you did during the setup phase. This Doing that, picking, picking up the card, seeing it's a baby, putting it in the center, only counts as one though, so you still have another action. Um, but you don't get to replenish that card like the setup, if that makes sense. So if you had four cards, you went to draw a card, and then you put the baby down, that's the end of your turn. You still have four cards, you don't get to do anything else. But you still have one more action, if that makes sense. Playing cards is when you build monsters. So when you do one play action, you lay one card, if that makes sense. Everything's just one to one. As far as monsters go, you must lay a head before you can start playing other body parts or tools or weapons or anything. But you do not need to finish a monster head before you start playing, before you start building another. So realistically, you could just have like an army of just heads. That's it. It would be kind of horrifying, but you could just have a million heads laying around. When you're putting cards down, read what they say, look for symbols, pay attention to the stitches that are on the cards. I think it's the same for all the cards, but I could be wrong. I haven't looked at exactly all the cards. But from what I've found, there's three stitches that you'll see at, uh, on the card that connect the head to, like something to the head. And then there's two stitches that connect something, like connect arms. And then there's four stitches that connect legs. 
to bodies. So it should be pretty easy, just as long as the stitches line up, you're fine. And so at this point, their suggestion is to do three rounds around the table of doing actions just as practice. You notice the baby pile starts to grow a little bit as your armies do as well. And so the other option you can do is to provoke. If you provoke, do not do any action. This also means you cannot try to provoke after doing the first action. Because remember, if you choose to take actions, you have two actions. You can't do one action and then try to provoke. Provoke is its own separate thing that you have to do. So next, you'll provoke and then pick one of the three baby armies to provoke, either the land, sea, or sky. Next, turn over all of the cards in that baby army and add up the total strengths. So at the top of the cards, there will be a number. That's also where the like when the big chunk of color for what element it is. Um, and that number is the strength. When you provoke a baby army, all players that have armies of the same type must fight. So just like the babies, the different monster heads will be for different armies too. So when you start building the monsters, you'll kind of pick and choose the elements because like a salmon is going to be part of the sea army and the salmon actually has a strength of two. So if you're to provoke a sea baby army, then all the sea monsters armies must be involved. That's all players. Each player now individually adds up their total army strength. If anyone is able to beat the baby army, then good job. The monsters win. Whoever has the highest strength army gets to keep the babies as points. If nobody can defeat the baby army, then the babies win and are moved to the discard pile. However, whichever way that we that it goes, whether you win or whether you lose, everybody discards all monsters that fought. So in this case, all the sea monster cards will be discarded for every player. If there is a tie in the battle, the monsters win. Fun fact, you do not need to have any monsters in that element to provoke that army. So if you want, you can just hurt people real bad. If you only have land monsters, but you see your buddy over there has like an insane amount of like sea or sea monsters, you can just provoke the sea. You don't have to fight, but you're forcing him to. Again, their suggestion is that now the next player's turn in this practice round should try provoking the baby army just so you can kind of get some practice at doing that and how it goes about. Now that you guys have done that, do any more practice rounds that you want to do before restarting and setting up everything once again. When you go for the actual game, open up packet two that we put in this put to the side earlier. This one has extra babies and other fun cards in it, one of which are bear heads. There's a limited amount of these, and think of them sort of like a wild card. Their color, is, in this case, is rainbow, so they count for any army that you want. These are the strongest heads at three, but are also the most vulnerable. Since they are wild, they can fight in any battle, but remember, that also means if somebody provokes any of the three baby armies, they must fight. So be careful. And so the difference for the actual game, not practice round, are those bare rainbow head cards that we just talked about. Before dealing the cards, give one of those bare heads to each player, shuffle any extra of the bare heads back into the deck, 
and then deal the four remaining cards so then everyone has five cards four cards plus one bear head equals the five cards but besides that the rest of the setup is the same so i just wanted to make make note of that that was the only difference between our practice and actual round there's one more thing that you can do on your turn now in the real game instead of taking actions or provoking again take no actions and do not provoke and then you can dumpster dive where you can take any one card from the discard pile that you want and then your turn is over but you get a look it doesn't have to be the top discard pile it can or a card it can be any card in the discard pile you get to go dumpster dive and choose and then play clockwise around the table All right, so here we are. We're back to the wonderful section of how do you win the game? To win this game, you want to have the most points at the end of the game. The game ends when all the cards in the three draw piles have been drawn. So don't reshuffle cards to make more draw piles. You get points, remember, from having the strongest winning army when a baby army is provoked. And then when you have the strongest army and you guys beat the baby army, then you collect those baby armies as your the baby cards as your points and so those numbers that were at the top that were originally the strength are now your points whoever has the most points wins the game if that's you go celebrate by making your own version of some sort of monster out of clay or something uh, originally my punchline for this was going to be to like following previous trends like oh go get yourself a cat go get yourself a drink um I didn't think that saying that people should go get themselves a baby would be very acceptable. So I'm that's we're going to stick with making monsters out of clay. Please do not take my advice. Do not suddenly get a baby. I don't want to know how you're going to do that. Um, but either way, just just make some clay shapes, please. There you guys go. There is my history lesson and game walkthrough it's time for the best part my review so when i played we only did one full game of the game and if i remember correctly we did follow the directions and play the practice round i kind of remember putting that second packet off to the side at the beginning um this was a little bit of a more difficult game to understand at first there there was a steeper learning curve probably up there with the red dragon in if not i think it might have actually taken us a little bit longer just because there's a lot of information there's a good amount of different parts and whatnot, so it did take a bit of time to actually get through the game. I want to stress that reading everything and listening to how they want you to do the practice rounds really helps. There's also uh, on their website, you can watch video tutorials of how to play all these games. But I really do think playing the practice round like they recommend does help because you kind of get the feel of things. The best, like, but of course we ended up figuring it out and got through the practices and the actual game was quite fun. It's diff it's different than the usual pace of card games, but I liked it. It's usual exploding kittens wackiness and great visuals, of course. It's also a decent length game, so keep that in mind when you guys are going to sit down and play. It puts the game at 20 minutes. But it kind of all depends on how long it takes for you guys to get through the turns, set up, learn the game, all that kind of things, and how aggressive you guys are. Something that is really nice about this game, though, is that of course the team is that of course the team thinks of everything. You have the play booklet on what you need to do, but there's also a second booklet of FAQs, frequently asked questions. 
what a great idea. Like, seriously. Exploding Kittens, this is the second game I've reviewed, and again, thinking of all the little things. This booklet actually folds out into like a giant paper, and it has a list of all the different cards that are included, what they do, how to play them, all that kind of stuff, and there's tips, tricks, and like, well, FAQs about the game. It's a really good idea, and I like that they put that in. It seems like every game they have has at least one trait that just makes them that extra step, that extra they thought it out a little bit more than the average game. They really put the time and effort into the game they put out. So all in all, I do really enjoy the game and think it is unique and fun, and it is just all around amazing. But there we have it. There has been your full history walkthrough and experience review of Bears vs. Babies by Exploding Kittens. Once again, I would like to say thank you to Exploding Kittens for helping make this episode possible. You guys have been amazing. Like I said last time, I've been working with and talking with them for a while now, and everyone on the team is just absolutely wonderful and great people. But you know who else has been great? You guys. Yes, the audience. Thank you. Especially if you are one of those that have listened all the way through to the end here. You guys mean the world to me. And also, I, like, reach out to me. I want to know how you guys enjoyed it. I want to know what you think, what you liked, what could be improved for the podcast, and your own experiences with playing Bears vs. Babies. Since the podcast is still trying to get up and running, rating it and commenting and recommending it, all helps very well to get us going. But with that, I will leave you guys. Again, go check out some of the other stuff I do. Thank you so much for listening. And to all of you out there, have a great game night.